What's up, everyone? Welcome to another amazing episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that's not really about soccer. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, religion, all of the things surrounding the beautiful game, just none of the things happening on the pitch. My name is Louie, and I'm joined here by Alan and Brendan. And this week, we got to talking about religion and soccer and soccer as a religion. We've seen the rise of Mo Salah over the last year has been astounding. But what's also been astounding is the reaction he's been getting from supporters in support of his religion. And so we decided to dive deeper into the effects of that, why that is, all the good that can come out of it. And we also talked a little bit about soccer as a religion and how people view their soccer team, soccer players as deities the same way that religious people view their deities as deities. You can find us on Instagram at culturef.c. Don't forget to follow us there. Get some behind-the-scenes footage that you don't get to listen to or watch in these videos. Not to mention, we also have our own soccer-inspired fashion line called Treble, and you can find us at Treblewear on Instagram as well. Don't forget to leave us that five-star review. You reviewing it helps us rank higher on both Google Play and iTunes, and it just gets more people to listen to our stuff, which means... We're doing something right. So we appreciate if you guys could give us that awesome review. As of today, we are exactly one month away from the start of the World Cup. Of course, you're going to be getting this episode seven days later, but we are down to the last month before the World Cup. And needless to say, we are all incredibly excited. With that being said, I'm going to stop rambling now and let's jump right into the show. the three topics this one i found it's funny strange kind of absurd it's a mix of everything and it kind of shows the how important soccer is to some people uh there was a super fan in brazil his name is jose mauricio who got a tattoo of his beloved club flamengo and you might have seen people get tattoos of their favorite clubs yeah, a couple them. yeah right um we, we see them every now Wait, and then. Wait, would you guys ever get a tattoo of your favorite club? I would never get a tattoo, no, period. I, w- I wouldn't get one of Manchester United, no. No, uh, no. good, thank you. I'm yeah. not a tattoo person. You're not a tattoo person? Well, Jose Mauricio is, and he <laughs> got a tattoo of his Flamengo jersey, so his whole upper body is the Flamengo jersey. No way, dude, really? Um, it is crazy. I mean, like, his chest from his waist up is black red black red has the flamingo crest on his over his heart and it ends at his bicep as if it were a real shirt like and okay so this is i was stalking this dude on instagram because like i i just had to his instagram has got 26 almost twenty-seven thousand followers obviously because it blew up on on social medias and what is amazing to me is that he still goes to the game in a shirt over his really? shirt tattoo. <laughs> I think that's probably just because they're not going to let him to get into the stadium. I, there was pictures of him in the stadium with his shirt on. Okay, and that it didn't look sense. cold or anything. So I was just like, okay. Well, because the, the big picture that came out that went that went viral was of him without a shirt yeah. on at the stadium. Oh my because god! Because it's it, okay. Look, I'm not a tattoo person, and you know, whoever your feelings are on tattoos, it doesn't really matter. It's just like. It's a little genius to never. Uh, you would think at face value it'd be a little genius to never have to buy a new jersey because <laughs> we always talk about how expensive jerseys are. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, never but buy. Then a new jersey again. all of a sudden, you, you know, you must have spent several thousand to get your body tatted, but you never have to spend it on a jersey. But then for this guy to go and still be wearing jerseys on top of his jersey tattoo body, like I don't know, it's it, it, is it does a show crazy a crazy look. I will say it's kind of cool, but you know, I don't. <laughs> Jeez, man, that's interesting. Yeah, I, we'll put the links for this guy's Instagram so you can stalk him as much as I have. But he also, so he also got Ziku's autograph over the crest and then tattooed the autograph oh, on nice. his. Nice. Okay, it. that's pretty cool. That's interesting. A little more. <laughs> interesting. It makes it definitely more unique. But yeah, 
Does this guy you think it's too far? Looks like he has a girlfriend. Do you think it's too far? No. I've seen people get tattoos of some ridiculous stuff. I've seen people, you know, you got dudes who, like, tattoo a full skull onto their heads. You know what I mean? Yeah. You see some crazy, crazy stuff. I think this is perfectly awesome. If you're going to get a tattoo of your club, might as well make it interesting and make it an actual True. jersey. This I man can go to every barbecue from now yeah, until the day he dies free. and will never have to wear a shirt. Yeah. It'll just be, I'm good, I'm chilling. He, my mom made a good point in that, um... I was like, yeah, I showed my mom, and she was like, oh my gosh, whatever, this guy's crazy. She was like, well, now he has to get the shorts, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> like a, I feel like he just... Just kid it out. Okay, out. so my question is, how does one hide their um, sensitive parts? I would say you just go Speedo. You go Speedo In the same style? color yeah. as whatever the, shor- like okay. the main part of the shorts yep. would be, and then just... <laughs> I don't even want to know if you can tattoo your genitalia. Oh, you can, for sure. You can? You can totally tattoo your genitalia. I'm I'm, I'm not going to ask how you know, but okay. We're going to go from there. It's definitely sensitive. Yeah, it's got to be so sensitive. Okay, I do say that he has to get the shorts. He's got to be a full kit, dude. He's got to be a full full kit kit wanker. Yeah, yo, that's like a new level of fandom, like... I will they, say he's. I mean, he's got twenty six thousand followers <laughs> now. Yeah, he's his own he personal is brand. Flamengo. So yeah, he, he is, is Flamengo. Now. He's the probably living the life. Yeah, the world <laughs> you know, honestly, is crazy. And I'm yeah. sure props now to, he's gonna to go you. to the games. He's gonna be like the guy at the yeah. stadium that everyone wants like, to picture. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So he'll be his own little celebrity in his own sense. But That's and he was, he's probably cemented now in yeah. their <laughs> history. <laughs> in the their, teams, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Right? There's probably gonna be so Look many pictures him. made of him. And oh, yeah. As he ages, he's probably ne- he's never gonna not be a Flamengo <laughs> fan. <laughs> like, this is, I will say, this is such a, like a 2018 thing to do. Like the guy's getting famous off of something stupid he did for. Like I'm sure he, not stupid. He did it for his love for his club and everything. But like, he's basically on the come up now because he got this full shirt tattoo. Yep. Now, like I, I'm pretty sure all three of us can say that we don't support the full kit wanker. But in this instance. I support him getting the full kit yeah. if it means him tattooing shorts on. I, I would support that. I wonder, Just like, go all the way. What if I don't know? You have to really like this jersey. Yeah, right. I'd have to pick a really cool jersey. You know, what would be really messed up is if in like ten years, Flamengo looked at the club and was like, "Hey, I know we've been wearing this yeah. black and red getup for hundred years now." What if we yeah, switch it, and now we're going to green? Yeah, it's a random color. And he's going to be like, all righty then. All right, there it goes. I don't me. think that'll ever happen, because I don't think clubs like to switch up that much. But it has. It can happen. Yeah. There are some clubs, especially in England. I remember the instance of, like, Cardiff City. The, this brand-new guy bought the club and was like, okay, no, we're not yeah. playing in blue anymore. We're going to be playing in red. And yeah. they're like, well, we've we've been playing in blue for, yeah. I don't know, 90 years. And he's <laughs> like, ah, too bad. Oh, uh, yeah. Who bought you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's... Jose Mauricio. Damn. Wow. Shoutouts to that guy. That's pretty dope. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy. What a fan. So, moving on to the next topic. This is pretty cool. Uh, New Zealand's men's and women's national teams to receive equal pay Whoa. for playing for the national team. So, this is, pro- I believe, the first instance of a of a pretty decent-sized uh, country's country coming out and saying that they will be in fact paying their men's and women's national teams equally that's like, dope that's a shout huge out to kiwis are they the kiwis shout uh, out to the kiwis, the kiwis. kiwis? you guys ever seen those cute the the, the, ant, the anti like drug kiwi commercials no. with the kids look them up <laughs> <Make it funny. laughs> um I'm, that's pretty cool i'm super happy for him i think that's that dope. It's amazing. We, I mean, we talked about a little bit um, prior about equal pay for for uh, national teams, but I think it's amazing that they've actually stepped forward and, and come out with this agreement and saying both of them will, will receive equal treatment from every way now. And that was the biggest point behind the 2015 World Cup. A lot of the U.S. women's national team players were complaining about not only equal pay but also uh, lesser facilities and, and worse travel conditions, things like that. So it's really cool to see. Uh, a cl- like a, a country decide that they wanted to pave the way for the future for for others and hopefully others follow suit right yeah um especially in america where i find it absurd that we have a women's national team that has won three world cups yeah right. three world cups which is four more than the united states have ever won and yes i'm adding an extra one because i don't think the united states will win one before the u.s women's win another <laughs> one so it's i believe the u.s should be doing the same because what has the u.s men's done yeah in comparison I, plus to yeah, I mean, just I feel like in general, women and men should be getting paid equally for if the same, doing same similar role, kind of right? Work. Yeah, right. Um, 
it doesn't apply in any other area of life. If you have a factory where you have men and women doing the same job, they typically should be paid the same. Like yeah, and I feel like the women would just the women are marketed so much better sometimes. Like just in terms of like when there are stuff around, like when they're tournaments and they're doing well. Like yeah. just like watch the U.S. women's yeah. team yeah. defeat <laughs> another yeah. opponent for this ki- yeah. six well, consecutive so, time. So successful. Yeah, and it's like. It's easy to market them. Yeah, and we, so why would you want to put more money behind that? That's yeah. the biggest question that yeah. always gets me. It's just like this team is clearly better. They're they're way more marketable. Like it's just insane yeah. why it's just like, hey, there's this mediocre men's team we have. Like yeah. let's pump That's, the money. Like yeah. Michael Bradley's bald head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Grace yeah, is I another. Agree. I think that's that's uh. really great. Hopefully, do people do follow suit? It'd be really cool. Um, I don't think action will be take so taken so soon, unfortunately, but would like to see some change. Right, and, yeah. I, and I agree with you. I don't think anyone's going to come out tomorrow and say all clubs yeah. are going to be paying, or all federations are going to be playing both sides equally, but I think that it could be the catalyst that in, say, three years, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe the French national team decides they want to pay both of their sides equally, oh, oui, oui. and then someone else... <laughs> Someone also follows suit after that, and sh- and hopefully it'll cause a train reaction. The where U.S. and the U.S. will be last. Yeah, most likely, <laughs> despite the fact that they should have been first yeah. in doing this. But we'll see how it goes. Lastly, moving on to our third point before we move on to the funny topic, I have uh, Besiktas go through with refusal to turn up for f- Turkish Cup semifinal replay against Fenerbahce. So Besiktas mm-hmm. and Fenerbahce were playing in the Turkish Cup. Sem- had they had a game? And it was abandoned after 58 minutes when the Basiktas coach was struck by a missile hurled from the crowd um, at the stadium, leaving him requiring stitches. When they say missile, they mean like they just threw something at him, it hit yeah. him. So <laughs> they abandoned the game, and essentially the Turkish Federation demanded that the, su- the two sides reconvene to play the remaining 33 minutes of the match, which stood 2-2 on aggregate behind closed doors on the 3rd of May, which Basiktas wasted little time informing them where to stick it. In other words, they weren't going to show mm-hmm. up. So they didn't show up, and then uh, Fenerbahce literally had to just w- train in a stadium that was empty because no one showed up. So then Besiktas got kicked out. And they did. You know what I love? Like, oftentimes we get caught up watching, like, these main leagues where, like, everyone is super political and, like, things usually go, like, right. Fairly smoothly. Other leagues in the world where, like, crazy things happen, like, just there's no real uniformity and there's, like, people just do whatever they want. Like, the Greek League is a great example of that, where, like, that club owner came out on the field with a gun. Like, yep. it's just, like, these leagues where, like, drama is just Or just the bear seven. in Russia the yeah, other time. the bear playing on the sideline. Oh. We have it so good. Like, <laughs> I don't, you, would, you would never see, like... Chelsea not showing yeah, up like to a FA Cup semifinal. It's just like not acceptable. Regardless of the yeah. reason. It's like too mainstream now. Like these clubs are too mainstream. We're like these other like kind of not lower leagues, but they're not in the spotlight. They get away with just craziness. But, but you know what it is, is that it, on the grand scheme of things, like Fenerbahce and Besiktas are huge yeah, clubs. Like huge, these are yeah. world class like Tur- clubs. Oh, uh, especially like it, Turkey is a c- country where they are 100% behind their club. Like, one of the craziest videos I've ever seen, I think, was Besiktas fans traveling via boat. Have you seen that video? <laughs> no. Via boat to, the, to I think they were going to play Galatasaray. Um, it was like a fucking Pirates of the Caribbean scene. Dude, that's dude, crazy. Like, no, just I haven't smokes seen it. on these like boats, these big-ass yachts, and they're just crossing the uh, crossing the sea. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. Like Dang. I would love to be a part of something. Like <laughs> I would just love like, to be on one of those boats. Something so crazy. But, like, yeah, it's just so, it's so intriguing. It really that. is. Um, it's such a fascinating thing. Like I don't. So they just didn't even care about the trophy. Why no, they, they didn't care. They, they got fined. Fine. They're going to be suspended from next year from the tournament. They're not going to be able to play, and they got fined uh, four million Turkish lira. Ooh, that's big. Pounds. Equivalent to seven hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's so. I mean, yeah. You got to make a statement. You do got to make a statement. Um, interesting though that a club would rather forfeit money and the choice of a tournament to stand up for morals which in a weird way i find it kind of cool because a lot of times yeah. morals get thrown out the window yeah, in soccer where they're that. like when money's involved people just throw out their morals so yeah. i find it cool i think that it's really cool that they that bishik does stuck through with it and decided not to go through sucks to be them because yeah. now they're not playing next year when they have to pay a fine but <sighs> yeah you know yeah. it what is something do now uh on to the funny one this is hilarious was that already three that was three, but I'm gonna. Yeah, he's gonna, good. We're gonna we're um, yeah. remix today. <laughs> I'm just gonna read the headline to you, and then I'll expo- and then we'll talk about it. 
Headline reads, Momentary confusion in League 2 as Swindon's James Dunn sent off for foul on Accrington's James Dunn, who was sent off for his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an onion? <laughs> no, it's a legitimate article. Um, so... <laughs> uh, at... Basically, as the clock ticked over into the 84th minute, James Dunn was sent off for raising an arm and connecting with James Dunn. Dunn, from Swindon, was shown a straight red for his crime, only to be swiftly followed down the tunnel by Tun, from Accrington, who was given a second yellow for his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> so James Dunn and James Dunn were both just out <laughs> in the tunnel, just hanging out. Yep, they both got sent off. Wow. Yeah, it's just I think it's incredible that you have two dudes named the same thing and they get into a fight and both of them get sent off. You know what I'm saying? Just like lower <laughs> leagues just have crazy things that happen that would never like just things that would never happen in like top divisions. Like amazing never. stories. That's phenomenal. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Oh, shout out James Dunn. <laughs> and also shout out to James, <laughs> James Dunn. Dunn. <laughs> Who like what was the score of the game? Uh, Swindon ended up winning 3 nothing. Ooh, James Dunn's going to be pissed. <laughs> Both. <laughs> 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 well, one James Dunn will be happy. They won. But. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is rich. That was awesome. Um, cool. Yeah, so I think that's uh, we can move on to the main topic of the day. Yeah, for sure. And today's topic is kind of brought to light because of Mo Salah, who this weekend officially won. Uh, the Premier League Player of the Year. Uh, Not to mention breaking the Premier League scoring record in the season. <laughs> 38, 38, 38, 32 goals? in the no, Premier League. 32 yeah, in the 32 Premier League. Premier League. He's up to almost 40. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think... And, and we still got the Champions League final. <laughs> I think anyone who's seen him play this year probably expected him to win that um, win that trophy for the Premier League. I will say, up until halfway through the season, I thought it was Kevin De Bruyne. To, or the Golden Boot or the best player? The best player. <laughs> yeah, which, I, which award? Sorry. <laughs> so midway through the season, I did think Kevin De Bruyne was going to win it. But then again, Mo Salah just turned it up from yeah. January till now. and Because yeah, I distinctly remember sitting on like New Year's Day thinking, man, Kevin De Bruyne has just been killing yeah. it. But then mm-hmm. Mo Salah. Yeah, he kind of ne- he put his foot on the pedal and never really let up. Um, put it through the pedal. Yeah, <laughs> the title. and uh, and it's an, it's been super interesting seeing his rise this year um, in football because it's really shed to light some off the pitch stuff that I think that I find super interesting and um, that I think really needs to be spoken about, and that is the fact that he seems to be, and I don't know how to properly phrase it, but he seems to be changing the perspective on how. Muslims are being uh, treated off the pitch. It, him being Muslim, obviously, and and we've seen even Liverpool fans have chants about, "Oh, if he keeps scoring goals, then I'll be a, a become a Muslim too," which is something that I know. It, I, in the U.S., I don't know if that would ever happen. A chant like that, especially within like the political climate that we're currently in, um, it's really refreshing and kind of. Um, it really kind of brings a smile to my face to, s- to see that, especially in London. London has the same issues of kind of that they're going through this kind of same t- turmoil of nationalist p- nationalistic pride and not wanting um, migrant people to, to kind of take over, quote unquote. Well, it's not, it's not just England or London. I think a lot, it's a big issue that's happening across the world yeah, right France, now. Yeah, France. I mean, a Within lot of, a lot of countries are, are really having to deal with this. I don't want to say it's a problem, but are dealing with this um, of, of more migrants and and they're all dealing with it a little bit differently. Like Germany opened its borders completely right. to all migrants, right? And so it's a lot of it is happening where a lot of the eastern countries in the world are, are having to deal with. Um, I'm sorry, the western countries in the world are having <laughs> to deal with a lot of these these issues of immigration and right. and, and religious tolerance and religious right. acceptance, I guess. Right, and because of that, we've seen a lot of hate come from kind of these nationalistic groups, and um, it's obviously not pretty to see. But it's 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 amazing to see the power that a player can have on the perspective of how a group of people can be treated, and so we kind of wanted today dive in into not only the phenomenon the phenomenon behind Mosala and what he's he's done for the Muslim people, but just kind of soccer as a religion, right? And we've we kind of you'll fr- you'll run around a 
uh, an article like this that comes up every now and then that soccer is more than just a sport it is a religion football is this and that but i mean if you really go look down in the bare bones of it it can very much so be a religion right i mean we talked about jose mauricio this the right now that who um got his the freaking flamingo jersey tattooed on him that is this kind of extreme devotion to something I'm sure he idolizes these players. It's Zico who he got his autograph tattooed on his chest. These are kind of, they have very mirroring aspects between um, what the sport is and what an actual religion is. So like well. uh, what I find very interesting with what you're saying is, is the mirroring of soccer as a religion with religion in soccer, right? right? Because like you said, uh, for a lot of people, soccer is a religion. It's right. what they, it's where they go every Sunday or every Saturday and they devote so much time and they have, there's a lot of similarities between you uh, think a about religion. going to church on Sunday, you, you go to a temple or wherever it may be, you go to the stadium. That is that that is the temple, right? You have a group of people who are worshiping this one. Um, worship may be strong, but who are following this these, these people on the field who idolize people. These, these players and coaches get statues erected of them. Um, so it, is, it is on par with probably the closest thing that we have as a, as a global phenomenon to religion, but just not religious i guess uh, inherently right yeah and so i think that it's such a crazy thing to think about how people do view religion the soccer as a religion but then how a lot of groups are very anti-religion in soccer yeah especially fifa where um for us as people in the western part of the world uh we've seen a lot of uh, Christian Catholic players, especially it's come to light a lot of like Brazilian players who went, well, went who then when they go to Europe, um, they exhibit their extreme devotion to their religion. For right. example, Kaká. Every time he scores, he'd point up to the sky. Or right. you have a lot of players who who do the the Catholic or Christian sign of, of the the uh, sign of the cross. Sign of the cross um, before they enter uh, before they enter a game or come on the pitch. And you know, Chicharito was always seen praying before yeah. kickoff and a lot of these things. Um, FIFA actually tried to get religion out of the sport about 10 years ago. They made a mandate that um, they actually went after a lot of Brazilian players saying, hey, like, you can't have, like, religious artifacts on the field or things like that. And uh, because Kaká used to always have a shirt under his yeah. uh, jersey that said, like, I'm with Jesus or Jesus, like, things of that nature. And when he would score, he'd, like, take his shirt off and, like, point to the sky. And so um, they did a big effort to try and get that kind of out of the game. But it's kind of almost impossible because... Yeah. You have to remember that religion is so deeply ingrained with certain parts of the world and certain yeah. cultures that you can't separate it from who these people are. You have a lot yeah. of, you know, to this day, a majority of, of players from Brazil are very, very religious. Yeah. Or if they're not really religious, they, you know, they have some religion to them and, and things like that. And they it's still not demonstrate some type of belief um, in, a, in a religion, whether they follow it or not, kind of like with the sign of the cross or things like that. Right. And this is an interesting, this brings up an interesting point that I wanted to get your opinions on is... Um, should soccer players, or even I guess we can extend this to athletes in general, should they be allowed to display their religion on the pitch? Because like if you think of in a normal work setting, right, you wouldn't necessarily. I think, and I don't know. It depend. I might depend on the company. I don't know what work conditions are for everyone, but I, you won't necessarily see people coming in and being extremely religious in the in like praying and showing doing the sign of the cross if they're just going in for their nine to five job right and it, and it may even cause some issues within the workforce so i want to th- i wanted to ask you like do you think that it should be the same for the for, for the players and so should there be that separation so uh, that's a difficult thing to discuss because I, where where I think there's a there's a little bit of an issue with what you said is the fact that maybe in our perspective, being in the western part of the world, we don't we don't see it as as so abrasive. But you got to remember that a lot of these Catholic or Christian things were actually instilled in our culture. So, for example, you know, a lot of companies you still get Good Friday off, which oh, for a lot of people right. that is a religious showing within a a, a, a a company, I guess, or you know. Things like Christmas, you have that off. That you could probably attribute more to, since a lot of people celebrate it, they decided to close. But those things do permeate through yeah. American culture, though they're not as as, as blatant as like someone um, having like coming to work and like praying or having a shrine at work. But I think that the flip side of that is 
Muslims have to pray five times a day, regardless of where they are, regardless of the time. They have to face Mecca and they have to pray. And so I think in the eastern parts of the world where that's more of an issue, I believe they do do that in work, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but that does bring up the point is, is should religion be separate from work? I don't think so. I think that you should be able to, as long as it doesn't detract from what you do on a daily work, basis, yeah. If it doesn't affect your output, then I think it should be accepted, yeah. because it's so ingrained into who people are right. that it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100. percent If it's not affecting like those around you and or your work, and, and it helped if you helped yeah. you get to where you were, you know, which I'm sure a lot of these players and a lot of the people really give a lot of thanks to the powers that be. Um, I say hell yeah, go for that. Yeah. So. I'm all for them displaying whatever they want to display. I mean, did th I mean again, that that thin line of like where it becomes too overt versus versus like modestly, but yeah, no. And so, I mean, Muhammad Salah isn't the first Muslim player no. to ever exist. No, we've seen Paul Pogba, Ozo. I mean, uh, uh, Ribery, a handful of players. I mean, players are Muslim, right? So why do we think now? Do we think that Mohammed Salah has had such a great impact just because he's had an, an amazing season? Or is it that joined with the fact that he has shown to be a very humble guy? I think to answer this question, we have to backtrack a little bit and think about the reaction against and for religion within the Premier League, I guess we could use as a basis, before we can answer that. So, for example, um, a lot of Premier League clubs, Liverpool being one of them, have added these uh, prayer rooms. They're mm -hmm. not religious specific. Like, the, for example, it's not like a Muslim prayer room or a Catholic prayer room. But over the past few years, you've seen these clubs instill these specific prayer rooms um, because a, for a lot of it was the catalyst behind Muslim fans going to games and having to stop in the middle of a game to pray because they don't, they don't determine when they pray. It's just five times a day at specific times. Yeah. If it happens that there's a match going on, they have to stop and pray. And so there was an issue at a Liverpool game a few years back where um, a lot of fans were getting um, ostracized and, and having racist things being thrown and said yeah. at them uh, because they were stopping to pray near next to the concessions. And so um, a lot of play, a lot of uh, the club officials were like, no, we have to let's rectify this. Let's add prayer rooms and let's be more tolerant and acceptable. Um, which was kind of going against what some of the public was doing. Um, but then other clubs started to follow suit. You know, West Ham started adding. They, they made sure that they added prayer rooms to the new uh, Olympic Stadium once they finally moved over. And um, what was the other club I had written down that did the same? Uh, Arsenal also incorporated mm -hmm. multi-faith pr fan prayer rooms. Mm -hmm. And so it's very uh, interesting to see because, like you said, Salah isn't the first one. Um and so I think one of the interesting things about it is that, um, you know, you've had players like Ozo and other players like uh, Dembaba, Papi Cisse, players that have played um, quite a bit in the, in the Premier League and have made a, a, a stamp. I think Salah was the first one to really light it up and be um, known for what he is. He wasn't he wasn't hiding from what he is. He did he what he does what he does. And so. Um, well, one of the reasons why I think he has a bigger impact than, say, Paul Pogba or uh, Mesut Ozil or any of these other players is that not only has he been having an amazing season, because you can argue that Ozil has had an amazing season in his career, Paul Pogba has had an amazing season in his, in his career, I think that all of them together have been helping this cause of changing how people view Muslim players. But one thing that I, that I want to get your thoughts on is I think that because Mo Salah is Egyptian and plays for the Egyptian national team and is Muslim and does all of these things, it really puts it all in the forefront. Because you don't, you, you look at Mesut Ozil, he plays for Germany right. nationally. Mm -hmm. Paul Pogba plays for France. There's nothing wrong with those things, right. but as a, for most people, you don't genuine, generally connect Germany with uh, Islam and you don't connect um, uh, France with Islam. Right. But you think of Egypt, it, it does right. connect a little bit more with Islam. And so, I think it's more of a cocktail of all of these things where, you know, Paul Pogba shines on the greatest stage, but he also shines for France and he shines for his club. And he also does his part religiously to put that out. So that does, of course, help. But I think that 
I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe when most most Salah does it, it's a little bit more connected across yeah, the board. Absolutely. I think he definitely fits more of a scheme of like what a mental model of what people think of when they think of a Muslim. I mean, you don't want to judge, obviously, you never want to say no. that, but I think just normally when you think of that, the he, he is the Egyptian king, as, as people have, have kind of coined him, it fits more with what you would think of as a Muslim. Another thing that I really think helps him is that he has... Um, Sane, who also does the he they also so they bow down right goals whatever it may be that kind of unity and power that that they have together really makes for a stronger message and especially because they've scored so many goals during the season if they're repeatedly kind of going through this process and going through these these um they're they're producing these these images as a soccer fan you are and you're going to be more exposed to that um, it kind of makes it seem more normal, right? Because in, in normal Western society, it may not be normal to see someone um, stop and pray in the middle of what they're doing at specific times. Here you're seeing these guys really um, shine at the biggest stage and still be faithful to their religion, display it, and just be humble about it, right? These guys aren't out being flashy and doing what they're doing. Do, do they're doing their jobs, um, thanking, thanking their God, and, and kind of moving on from it. I think it's that's actually a super big point because before when you had these these Muslim players, a lot of times if th- one of them was shining like really brightly, a lot of times they were like the only player on that team right. that were doing that. Right. Or if there were another one, maybe they weren't as impactful right. as Sadio Mane and Salah together, right. right? And so when you have two guys who are crucial to your club, who are in the front of the, who are in the limelight right. and in the spotlight all the time, it beca- starts to become a little bit more normalized. Um, and I think that's a huge point because if they're doing it together, it's not just it, it's harder for you to be like, oh, it was just the one Muslim player yeah. for those of you who are more like, uh, I don't know, not anti-religion, but more like you haven't your eyes haven't been open as much, I guess. Yeah, I right, think yeah. that like having two of them together adds more power to that. Right. It exposes you to something. Right. Some some people might not. Uh, some people might have uh, an idea of a certain group of people because they haven't been exposed to them. They have no idea. I mean, I I know that's a thing here in the U.S. You just don't know Muslim people. You think that what one bad person does represents the entire culture, and obviously you don't want that. But here, Mohammed Salah is, is is the reverse of that. Right. He's this one guy who is representing them in the best light possible. He's shining. He's he's converting people to to make songs about how they will convert to be Muslim, right? Um, it's it's wonderful and it's it's great to see, especially um, a lot of videos I've seen of little kids, boys and girls, kind of uh, dressing up with his hair, having his jersey, getting the getting the beard, and kind of just like that dispels this whole issue of um, being Muslim and how that could potentially be a harmful thing. And he's just doing, he does so much for his own community, yeah. too. Not to say that other soccer players don't. I just think that with his career, he is in a pivotal moment where he can do such yeah. good things and it will be recognized. Yeah. So hopefully that will create more people to start giving Absolutely. back and stuff like that. Like he sunk like a quarter or a half a million dollars into some like sewage system for his village. Yeah. And like that's huge. Like he has like all of Egypt. I remember I saw a picture of a highway in Cairo and like every other billboard was Liverpool, Mohamed Salah. Like yeah. it's just, he has, he has the power right now and it's come at a really good moment for him. Yeah. I think it's to, to kind of answer my own question is just like, it's been a perfect concoction of timing and then him playing very well and having the teammates that he has to kind of shed this light on, on, on the Muslim culture and really, and really put them in a good light. I do think that if it were 10 years ago and Mohamed Salah was having the season that he's having today, there would be a lot more backlash against Absolutely. him and his religion than today. I think that there have been other players who have started to open up um, us in the West's eyes about uh, Islam and the Muslim people. And so I think that today he is starting to be more accepted. Of course, there are still people out there who are very racist right. against religion, against race, whatever all these, whatever it is. But I think that because there have been a few other players before I think he came at the right time to yeah. really start to help turn that tide and, and get and dispel that within um, p- how you view a soccer player. Yeah. I, I don't think religion should be your your biggest like marker of a player. Like, of course, if he yeah. plays soccer, he's a good yeah. player, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still a part of who they are, so you can't discount that. I don't think you can tell all players like, "Hey, look, when you're on the pitch, you're only a soccer player. You only represent this club." Sure, you represent that club, but you also represent yourself. And I think as long as you're not doing it in a way where you're insulting other people or if you're, you know, making any kind of bad statement, yeah, then yeah, you should be able to do these things. 
And I think that religion plays such a, a bigger role in soccer than people give it credit for. Um, there was a French journalist who actually did a lot of research into this and found that a, major- a lot of soccer clubs in Europe had religious ties. Yeah. Because, you know, religion was so deeply ingrained in culture for yeah. so long of course you're going to have clubs that have religious yeah. ties and, and and some a lot of them were muslim there yeah. um are quite a lot of of clubs that were created through the help of not only christianity but also islam and other religions as well yeah and uh, it's funny because i was looking this is just like soccer and religion um very recently there was a club in china that performed a religious exorcism up for their for their team because they were losing so many games that no really way really I mean it's a common act at, at in this specific region of of um, China to perf- to do this exorcism before but it's it's before I think races like road races they'll do this just for the runners to kind of have good dispel all, bad dispel demons, all bad demons. Wow. but this huh. club was losing all their games they performed this exorcism team won the next game um, and they the, the club was actually um, they were frowned. The, the The Chinese government actually was like, "Do not do this again," because the, obviously the Chinese government likes to have a lot of control over um, what religious happenings happen at specific yeah. places. And we were talking before about how China is trying to grow their soccer. They saw this happening and were just like, "Do not let this happen again." Blah blah blah. But it 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 it, it goes to show this religion not only is a, is a part of just the person; it is a part of the, the culture, and it, you can't sometimes divide between the two. Well, a lot of people. Um which is funny because right before we started recording this podcast, we were talking about how uh, Ramadan starts tomorrow. Yeah. And one of the biggest complaints, I remember when, for example, uh, Demba Ba and Papi Sise were in the Premier League, uh, there was actually an issue, I believe, with um, Demba Ba when he played for Newcastle where it was during Ramadan and he hadn't, he'd been fasting all day for the whole month mm-hmm. and the the coaches were berating him, being like, oh, like you need to, you can't train without water and without food yeah. and all this, blah, blah, blah. His first game after Ramadan, the guy goes and scores a hat trick. Yeah. So it's like, you can't, yeah. like, you can't do that. You can't tell them what to do, right. of course. I know a lot of it is like the nutrition and taking care of athletes' bodies, but, you know, clearly he dispelled that. He was able to prove that he could still produce even during Ramadan. And uh, plenty of other players have done the same. There have been a lot of counts. Demba isn't the only one of players playing during fasting and um, they were able to do just yeah. just fine. And I think that it's just, it's hard. You know, a lot of times people are ingrained in their thoughts and they think they're right. And unfortunately there are bad connotations t- against certain religious groups. Yeah. Um, the same way that I guess the Western world has some animosity towards the the islamic parts of the world yeah. i'm sure the islamic people have have things right. against catholics i mean catholics have been doing stupid shit for right. two millennia already like yeah you know what i mean it, it, yeah it's, it's definitely about the perspective of things and and it's just good to see kind of this a figure come out and and shed a positive light yeah to even it. have like on the subreddit i follow for liverpool like someone posted like like a faq for our Muslim players because we're playing in Kiev mm. on May 26th. Oh, wow. okay. like, yeah, yeah. So, like, there have been Showing parts in, like, in the Quran where unless, like, if you're on a journey, like, there are certain circumstances you're allowed to, like, sacrifice and eat or drink or something. Yeah. So it was really interesting to, like, me learn to, like, because I was obviously curious, like, oh, I wonder what happens if when it's Ramadan and we have Henry Chan and Saudi Mane and Salah. So... Yeah, there are definitely certain circumstances that are brought to light and like, even shared on a subreddit. Like yeah, that would you by the expect that. Yeah, right? right. So it's, it's very, very cool to see. That's for a sure. really interesting thing that I hadn't really considered. I had considered people's general reaction changing because of a player being really, really good. But now I can imagine like the kids of a club, like the kids supporters of a club yeah. who haven't been exposed and, yeah. they're, and they're, I guess their beliefs haven't been cemented yet. Yeah. But for them to have the ability to be like, well, hey, daddy, like most Salah is Muslim. What does that mean? Yeah, Why that? is yeah. that different than what yeah. we do? Right. If that allows some kids to learn about other religions and other parts of the world, right. I think that's amazing. Right. Yeah. And just be able to sure. accept it, right? Like I find that fascinating that now that's being taken into consideration for how 
uh, the fan is planning for the Champions League yeah. final, right? Because, yeah, like, right. as a fan, yeah, I, I mean, I myself, I'm on Twitter and I want to know everything. I mean, like, Anthony Marshall wasn't wasn't in the game yesterday, and someone was like, "Well, his wife is pregnant, right? So maybe he missed the game because she's she's yeah, right. Birth. We're you know, worried. Little, little things like that yeah. that like, it, and they're not necessarily at the forefront, but they become very normalized. And as a fan, you worry about because yeah. you just want to know you just like, want yo, the best for your players, okay. and especially for the for your <laughs> best players. Um, I find that yeah, that's that's super interesting. And and another thing that we're overlooking as well is that because the game is becoming so global, I mean, Liverpool probably has uh, millions and millions of Muslim followers, right? Manchester United has millions and millions of Muslim followers. So to say that we, you're just catering to one group of people, that's no longer the case, right? You have to be able to. To, to say if you're a Manchester United fan and you, and you want to be um, a, a true fan and accept other fans, you kind of have to be able to have an open mind and accept these Muslim Muslim cultures, different, any, any culture, not just Muslim. I don't want to keep just speaking about the Muslim cultures. But you have to just say, hey, I, I have to be open to this because if you're a Manchester United fan and if I'm a true fan, we're going to show our love for this this team and together, and, together and, and not have any issues with that. I think that... That's super important. The game is global. Right. And as much as we talk about, you know, supporting local and understanding that clubs are things ingrained in a geographical location, you got to understand that because the game is so global, it goes past that at yeah. times, you know? The fact that Mo Salah is from Egypt, but he's playing in Liverpool, but that means, but because by he, by him playing in Liverpool... Puts I him now know about <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> right, and it, right. it puts him in the national spotlight, and it has a ripple effect across so many different layers. Like yeah. I just said, the fact that you now know as an American kid raised in New England that Mo Salah is Muslim. And if that opened your mind a little bit more towards um, what being Muslim is and what the, the, the religion of Islam does is, is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, Especially here in America where we've been berated with for the past, what, 17 years of anti-Muslim sentiment right. because of 9-11. You have things like that. That it just sh- such a big change, right. um, and it just ripples across, right? And yeah. you have to remember that it is global. So having players like Salah, who there's shouts of him winning the Ballon d'Or, you know, like yeah. that could be a crazy thing. Yeah, that would be amazing. Ah uh, man, let me. Think <laughs> I'd, get, um, I'd get a jersey like that. <laughs> I mean, you probably should gets, get one already. And it gets you thinking. Yeah, why don't? Well, I have this season's already. I'm waiting till next season. Yeah. The two other. Well, you don't know if he'll be there next season. No, so he's gonna better. be there next season. <laughs> I just don't know what jersey I'm gonna have his uh, name put on. Liverpool the back comes of. calling. You might be. Yeah. Uh, if Liverpool comes calling. I mean Real Madrid. <laughs> Real Madrid. <laughs> Barcelona. Um, <laughs> thinking about the global effect of the game. Sorry to interrupt you guys, but um, we have talked about how we thought Qatar should be removed from. hosting the world cup but at no point did uh, in our conversations about that did we mention anything about religion or or anything like that it was a matter of the uh, the conditions they're putting their workers in and all of that i like i said in that episode that i thought that it was in a weird in a way it was really good to put the world cup in an area that has never really had a world cup you know in other words the arabic region of the world where muslim is a very very is the prominent religion i think that by hope, by hopefully, because I doubt they're going to get stripped of the World Cup. We already know they're not. Yeah, no. With that, the World Cup being there, and hopefully other players being Muslim and, and coming out and, and doing so well, I hope that that World Cup does help enlighten more people even more, you know? Because a lot of times we care a lot about the Premier League. We care a lot about global soccer. A lot of people are starting to get to know Mo Salah. And if he does it for the next three years consistently, his effect on people's perception is going to continue to be amazing. But don't forget, the World Cup final is watched by close to 1.5 billion people. So it's like, what better way of, of, of putting on display you know, religious tolerance and, yeah. and religious acceptance than on the global stage. Yeah, and absolutely. of course, we have this year's World Cup where Mosala and Egypt will be there too. So him performing really well at this World Cup will do the same thing. But what I'm saying is in 2026 or 2022, I apologize, when they're in an Arabic country, where they're in a country that is so, uh, so Muslim in nature, right. I think that that should really help. Uh, people start to accept a little bit more right. that Just there are people across the whole world who play right. and enjoy soccer. Right, and yeah, that True. exposure again. And another topic, and kind of moving away from so- from religion in soccer, I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit how soccer could also be a religion, right? And, and what why I bring this up is because it's very interesting. In Argentina, there's this man who started the um, Iglesia Maradonia, which is a uh, basically like a 
a parody of the Catholic religion, but it is a religion where they believe Diego Maradona is the god, right? They believe Diego Maradona is their savior. Wow. He is this, and it, it's a guy who is Catholic, but he still is, he started this religion, and he has followers, and they are they go and practice like religious like feats, all idolizing Diego Maradona. It's funny because I think it's like the first time that someone has put a feeling into a concrete existence almost yeah. like people hear this and they go oh my god someone created a, li- a religion around Diego Maradona I don't think people understand what happens when you utter the phrase Pele in Brazil yeah. like it's the same thing same like right, right. You, people already had these feelings of of support of, of these icons right and it's happened all over the world but in South America especially where it is a very religious continent and, and that already existed right. you know people were already yeah idolizing enshrining these players and i just think it's very funny that one guy was like all right we're gonna take it up a notch and like establish it as like a real thing but it's nothing new it's the same thing that's been happening for decades across the whole world do you find it ridiculous or do you just understand it for what it is right like i think we probably don't find it ridiculous but i mean it's it's to me it's something that's very understandable just because like it mirrors a religion so much like you have this one guy. I, I mean, I'm sure Messi has this. Has a fan. They have these fan groups. Like whatever Facebook pages and whatever that have the millions of people yeah. that like them. But it's kind of like that, right? It's just it's just following that knows when Messi eats breakfast. They know every single tattoo he has. They know everything about this man. Um, where to uh, to me, I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's that's like as devout as a, any Catholic, yeah, Muslim, right. whatever it may be. Obviously, the the underlying tones between religion and, and believing in this one idolized player is different but um is it I, different i just find it i i mean i think the yeah is it i think the beliefs between like a religion is religions are not are trying to promote kind of peace and working community which now i think of it maybe if you support a player you're, you're <laughs> like yeah we are a community of messy players uh, messy fans sorry so maybe yeah well for a lot of local the reason i ask is because for a lot of clubs it's a very similar thing like you said the whole point of a religion whether or not you believe in a deity or not right. the 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 whole point of a religion is to instill i guess morals in a way of life right. and if you're getting that through your club and the structure That's and true. working conditions that a club allow for a certain area i can actually see that happen yeah, quite absolutely. closely I, I mean you may not see it on a super global scale but you know m- on a smaller scale right. you know that that is also very close in parallel to right, that. Absolutely. I think, yeah. That I is think very true. being a, a, uh, a supporter of a club to a, h- a huge degree is not very, it's not different at right. all almost to being a religious uh, person, like a right. super religious person. And we even see on the, on, the, on the negative sides, right? We see people abusing their religion to do bad things. We see people abusing their club to do bad things i mean yeah. we've seen it with the hooliganism we've seen it this past weekend in germany when player when fans run on the pitch in love for their club but they're going to attack the the players and, yeah, the, right. and the coaches right so we still we, i guess yeah they very much see the parallel between um kind of the abuse and and uh, adoration of, of a club people believe in some really like interesting deities out there i think soccer wouldn't be one of the worst <laughs> things, of the things to things believe in you know well, you know what it is i mean on to your point think of the religious crusades that the the catholic church undertook in whatever century it was right. that's not all that different right. than a hooligan well, it's a firm. little different. <laughs> That's not all that different from a modern-day <laughs> soccer fan. If you boil it down, though, <laughs> we're in Stone Island. Yeah, but I think the underlying, t- like, the underlying of it is, like, I'm doing this good for my club and or religion. You are causing action, or you are undertaking action in the name of yeah. a religion. In yeah. the name. What is different from you saying, all right, yeah. I'm going to go to war for the Catholic Church yeah. against the Islamic religion back in whatever, yeah. 1600s, 1400s, whatever it was, what's... It's not super different from yeah. someone being like, in the name of Manchester United, I'm yeah. going to go beat the shit out yeah, of their the other 16, 17-year-olds. Yeah, right. Crack a bottle on this guy's head. And, and we, we joke, but it is very similar. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, do you guys think that that is different from soccer to American sports? I don't think there'll ever really be a religious atmosphere within, the, within America until the structure changes of how American sports are. I think that one of the main factors is there's a lot of main sports, of course. 
Um, there's the four big ones, and, and the media controls it in such a way that, you know, you are a lot of American fans. You support several different sports to, to a similar degree, and uh, just think about the experience you have going to any kind of sporting event in America versus the experience you have going to any sporting event anywhere else in the world. It's vastly different. Yeah. Um, like we said, people in America view sport as a spectacle to be watched. People in the rest of the world view soccer specifically as a event to live through, an right. experience to live through. And I think mm -hmm. that until that change happens, I don't think we'll see that. We'll see it in America. Yeah. Um, you might see it in certain. There are facets. definitely some fringes out there for some sure. Yeah, Alabama. Or just yeah, just like some football teams out there. Yeah. You know, no. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, but I'm saying on the on the. On the larger large scale. On the large, exactly. Well, because you have... No, I don't think we'll ever get the general fan base that is I think that that point is, 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 is what you're the, the one that Louis said about having four basically major sports. Because then it's like, how can you really have that fealty to something if, it, if you also have to have that with four yeah. other things? You like, know, if you're like, watching in a religion, if I am Catholic, I am really just going to be Catholic. I'm not going to be Catholic and a little yeah. bit... Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be Catholic for nine months out of the year, but then for six months, I'm also going to be Buddhist. Right, right, right. Right, so I, I think that, that that plays a major role because when you're t speaking of a religion you're normally speaking of, you're just believing in that one thing and that the core values between that. Um, even if it is different sports, I think that when you're putting your heart into something, you kind of are just doing it for one thing. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Uh, you know, even in the off season, I will still be reading Manchester United news. Right. I still follow it very yeah. closely. Um by virtue of the Patriots being really, really good, I do not. I told myself I don't pay attention to the Patriots between off season and the beginning of the season because it's just, it's like I don't feel the need to. I yeah. think they're like I just don't care as much, right. you know, in American sports. Like I might follow more Celtics news in the off season than I would normally, but I still don't. Glue, I'm not glued to my phone at every notification. Yeah. Now, if I get a notification from Manchester United in talks with X Y Z or yeah. or Jose Mourinho planning on buying this guy, I will pay attention to everything in the yeah. off season. And I think too, like if we remove our it, remove it being us who are obviously big soccer guys. Um, if I were a, a Pats fan and then it was the offseason that I had baseball to fill that void, right? Yep. So I have something where I can take my mind off of something else. I don't necessarily need to be 24-7 on top of that one team, um, which, again, I mean, if you're following a, a, a religious thing, you want to live that wholeheartedly day in, day out. So, But, yeah, I think that's... Uh I think we're not going to get better analysis than me saying that the Crusades are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So I say we stop There's here. On the go only lower than that. <laughs> It'll only get worse than that. So <laughs> I say we put a stop yeah. on this episode Absolutely. here, no. and <laughs> we go from there. I think it's definitely an interesting one. I think um, we could have done for, for sure dove deeper, but obviously keeping this. Oh, we could have uh, talked about why soccer wasn't as popular in Muslim right. regions prior and things like that. But I think that. We got a good amount out of this yeah. one. So. And a happy Ramadan. Yeah, happy Ramadan. And I don't really have anything else, though. All right. So that's it, everyone. Another episode in the books. Let us know what you think. You think it's weird to have a soccer team or a player be idolized as a religious figure? Let us know in the comments. Send us an email. DM us. Message us wherever you may find us. As always, be sure to leave us that five-star review, and thank you for listening.